the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Craig Roberts along with Dr. Jim Grassi. He is the former chaplain of the San Francisco 49ers, former chaplain of the Oakland Raiders, has spent more than 45 years of professional experience in the world of outdoors and working with sports teams. That certainly lends him a very unique perspective on not just working with men, but on such things as morality and character building. And um, Jim, of course, has got a new book out called Guts, Grace, and Glory. And you talk a lot in the book, Jim, about this connection between the athletic prowess that is developed on the field. And, you know, it's interesting because professional sports these days seems to have a tremendous emphasis on team building. And you got to be all working together to move the ball down the field to make the touchdown. And yet, I wonder if just team building on its own, does that necessarily lead to men building? Um, the, the answer is it takes a man to show a man how to be a man. Mm. And we have some NFL coaches and their assistants, which are men of God that have great character, that are showing their men how to be a man. And consequently, by being a man and looking at this idea of unity as uh, coming together in community and putting our distractions outside the locker room, putting our distractions where they belong is when you leave the, the, the team facility. If you want to use your platform as an NFL athlete, as a politician, as a business leader to talk about whatever that issue is fine but while you're inside let's keep focused and that's where the the coaches are having problems now building this concept of team because to be honest with you one of the coaches i'm working with right now is having major problems they're they're in the run for another potential chance at a super bowl trophy and they have all the players and all the uh, things in motion to do it, and yet their team has been so distracted and so broken up that team fights and all kinds of stuff going on over this issue. It's hard to build team when people have this attitude, it's all about me, which is contrary to what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that we need to be unified, that we need to think of others, to respect others, to have the right spirit, that we're supposed to be of one spirit, of one mind. And the coaches are striving, the the good coaches, to pull their teams together with that kind of attitude, and yet the unity's not there. And so consequently, we see this year among a number of teams in football that why are they messing up like they are? Why are they so many offside penalties and all? These guys are distracted. They're coming out thinking they can just flip the switch when they hit the field, that they won't think about what just happened in the locker room, that they almost knocked the other guy out. They, they don't 
they think they won't think about that when in reality it comes back on the field. Does all of this too, and I don't want to take a shift now in our conversation, mm-hmm. does all of this too pretend to the notion that the decline in moral character and in that idea of being a role model is indicative of a real failure, a breakdown in the concept of discipleship and mentoring. And I know I I get into trouble when I head in this direction because people say, okay, now you're going to start the meddling and you're going to make some comments about the church here, Craig, and you're going to say something like, we don't do the job at discipleship that we should be doing. And if you were expecting me to say that, I have not disappointed you. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what I'm trying to say. And that part and parcel to the importance of discipleship is this concept of mentoring, whether we're talking about mentoring pro athletes on the field or fathers mentoring sons and daughters or older Christians mentoring younger Christians. It's all about working toward that common goal of fulfilling the great commandment, the great commission, and making sure that at the end, Our lives are a role model. Our lives are a reflection of who Christ wants us to be. And it seems as if that, as a broader point, both in society as a whole and in the church in specific, we seem to be missing the mark on that big time. Well, as you know, Craig, out of my 13 books, about seven of them have been on discipleship. And my last two, The Spiritual Mentor and Building a Ministry of Spiritual Mentoring, I quite frankly attack the church, and not all churches, but the church has failed in its role, in my mind, to disciple men who are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of their home. And consequently, we've got got off into social issues, or we've gone off into other issues, and we're not... Uh, taking our responsibility as a church, in my mind, to disciple men in from a biblical perspective and understanding what discipleship is all about. And, uh, Jim, aren't those social issues that you speak of, and the political issues that we've been discussing mm-hmm. about, and the moral issue, don't all of those go back to a core, singular issue, and that is at the heart, at the very center, the crux of the matter is a spiritual issue? That's that's right, and, and, and that the breakdown of the uh, moral and spiritual fiber in our community. I'm reminding you know my mentor for ten years was Chuck Swindoll, and I think he's given the best definition of character. It's in my book Guts, Grace, and Glory, and it says character is doing right on purpose. Uh, is the moral, ethical, and spiritual undergirding spiritual undergirding that rests on truth that reinforces a life and that resists the temptation to compromise Mm -hmm. and today i think too many of our churches are not talking about this issue of of compromise are not talking about this issue of of having a strong um a spiritual understanding and biblical background to uh, help raise our children when 61% of our nation's kids will go to bed tonight without a biological father in the home. And in the inner cities where I came from, Oakland, that's 80%. 
we've lost us we've lost our innocence we've lost our focus in my mind as a country on those uh, spiritual values that we once cherished. Well, and you know, we, we hear a lot about the moniker. You sometimes see the kids with the wristbands, um, mm-hmm. uh, WWJD. Right. Which, uh, in, in my radio ignorance, I thought stood for call letters for a radio station for the East Coast. <laughs> but it actually stands for what would Jesus do? And it's That's an right. important question to ask ourselves whenever we get into that crossroads mm-hmm. and we have an important decision to make. But I think beyond that, too, uh, WWDJ. Not a set of call letters for a radio station either, but rather, what would Dad do? There you go. I like that. And to think about yeah. the kind of mentoring and example setting. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you look at a family that's falling apart these days, yeah. and there is domestic violence, and there's abuse taking place, and maybe uh, you know a wandering eye, and all of it that attends to a family that is falling apart at the seams. I will suggest to you that in almost every one of those cases, we will find one, if not both partners, both the husband and the wife, come from dysfunctional homes that have never seen proper role modeling of what a healthy marriage relationship looks like or healthy parenting looks like. And so as a result, they do the only thing that they know to do, and that is they kind of model intentionally or otherwise what they saw happen in their own childhood. And so now that dysfunctionality continues on. And and sadly, not being able to, as a young man, say, here I am, I'm at a, a, a facing a moral dilemma, I'm at this crossroads, I have to make a decision. What can I gain from my experience, my knowledge, and what I have witnessed and seen to, to aid me in making the right decision? If you can't say to yourself, well, in this case, this is what my dad would have done, or in this case, my Bible tells me this is what Jesus would do, then is it any wonder that we see so many young people mm-hmm. today lost and, and, and hapless and hopeless out there? Uh, man, you're dead on. Uh, once again, Craig, I just love to do interviews with you because your insights are great, and I would take it a step further. I would say that those people that are asking that question instead of going to the church or instead of going to the Bible or going and looking at the sports figures or looking at Hollywood or looking at the political figures and saying, well, this is what they did. Mm -hmm. You know, they got away with this. This is how they handled abuse of women. This is how... And so the church, and this is why I'm so passionate, and forgive me if I'm just overly... Um, uh, articulating this point. This is where I think the church has lost their way, that we're not addressing these issues in the church. We ought to be addressing unity in the church. We ought to be addressing the fact that women are abused in our culture. We ought to be addressing the fact that there are out of 800,000 police officers, there's some bad apples in the bunch. There's some people that aren't relating to minority groups the way they should. There are politicians who are not connecting with disadvantaged cultures and people that don't have jobs. I mean, these are conversations that we ought to have. And it comes back to being unified. And it doesn't mean that we have to give up our heritage, give up our personality, or the uniqueness in Christ. 
it does mean that we seek to be unifiers and peacemakers before seeking the selfish personal desires that seem to uh, disrespect and disenfranchise others. It means that we love others as we love ourselves. And that's what's said in Romans 12. And I like it so well what Paul said, wrote to the Romans. He said we're to love ourselves, which a lot of people today do not feel good about themselves for a number of reasons. And, boy, we need to reach out to those folks, too, you know. And it says we're to love ourselves, but we're to love others. And we're not to think too highly of ourselves. And yet that very thing is what I see in sports today, not just football. But these men have a... uh, for some reason, they have a bigger uh, self-image of, and self-importance of their role in society than, than th- quite frankly, they ought to have. And the area where they should recognize the role that they have in society with a sense of gravitas, they completely dismiss. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Dr. Jim Grassi with us today in studio. Information on the web about his ministry at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. A timeout, back with some closing comments with Dr. Jim Grassi as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back. And again, as we head into the home stretch of our conversation, I want to share with you information. Jim's latest book, Guts, Grace, and Glory, you can get it through, I guess, the usual suspects, Amazon.com. Amazon's the best way to get it now. And, of course, information about his ministry on the web, available at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. Jim, as you've probably heard, has worked as a chaplain. He served as a chaplain for both the San Francisco 49ers and the Oakland Raiders, Born and raised right here in the Bay Area, in the East Bay, in Oakland, and uh, written a number of award-winning books. Again, that latest book, Guts, Grace, and Glory, you can check that out through Amazon.com or through his website at mensministrycatalyst.org. You mentioned, Jim, before the break about the sense that sometimes uh, some of our players think in a haughty fashion more of themselves than they should, and yet ironically so, there's also the argument that says, and where they should think highly of themselves because of the role model position that they are in, whether they signed up for it or not, because of the influential platform that they have been granted, oftentimes completely disregard that. We spoke before our broadcast began today about the three collegiate players Mm -hmm. who were in China as the president is on a 12-day overseas visit to Asia, who has embarrassed themselves, the president, and the country by being arrested by communist authorities for shoplifting. And, of course, China, they don't play. These kids are going to probably wind up spending a little time in jail, I would suspect, before it's all said and done. Uh, China will take advantage of the opportunity to make a example out of these young men. And the sad thing is... As China's about to make an example out of them, it's too bad that they didn't think first about the example they should have been setting by not engaging in this kind of behavior. 
once again, indicative, I think, of the disconnect that we're seeing, Mm -hmm. that that leadership role that they're in, that the opportunity and responsibility of properly mentoring young boys and girls who are looking up to these sports figures is totally lost on them. Exactly. And that's why I remind athletes, your name, your family name is on your back. Hmm. You're carrying your, your family name on your shoulders. You have a responsibility. Whether you ask for it or not, it is there. You have a responsibility. If you're going to accept that paycheck, you have a responsibility. Today, it was reported that the NFL is losing about $200 million in direct revenues from this whole fiasco. And again, I come back to the comments we talked about. We need to think about team. We need to think about uh, unity and less about self. And that isn't to say that, again, neither you or I are, are talking about disregarding the issues that are driving some of this. There needs to be discourse on that. Absolutely. There needs to be conversation. There needs to be a unifying and bringing together of races, of the political parties and whatnot, if we're going to have a strong country because we've lost respect globally uh, as I travel uh, in other countries and you have too I'm sure we don't have the same respect as a nation as we once had and because we don't respect ourselves again coming back to Romans it says we're to love ourselves Romans 12 and that we're to love others and I love the way uh, Paul, in his letter to uh, the Ephesians, put it in chapter 4 about urging us to live life in a worthy manner, worthy of our calling, it says. And then he goes on to say, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Mm. Through the bond of peace. And we've lost a sense of that peace in this country. Um, I, I, yesterday, when I came into town, I have a, a, a kind of a, a thing when I'm out in a restaurant. I don't make any show about it or anything, but we, we say grace, my wife and I. And most often, I'll say to the waitress, uh, after she's taken her order, uh, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And she literally welled up in tears and grabbed her hands, and she said, Will you please pray for peace? Wow. With all that's going on in our nation. Here's probably some single-parent mom trying to make a paycheck, and with all the stuff, she's in a a, a very a divisive community there uh, from a... a a race standpoint, and she just feels the tension. She feels the pressure. She's very distraught. She said, well, you just pray for peace. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's what Christ talked about, is to look to peace. And I submit to you, if we took all the energies and efforts that everyone's thinking about trying to make a statement in the end zone or a statement uh, be, uh, during the anthem or a statement this. We took all that energy and all the resources from those men and owners and put it into a pot and stir that pot up what we could do to better this country. Well, and, and coming back to the core underlying issue, and that is, and you touched on this, 
we see this as a social issue. We see this as a political issue. We're failing at the core to see this for what it really is, and that is a spiritual issue. That's right. More specifically put, a sin issue. And if we want to eradicate and reduce acts of racism, we got to go where the heart is. We need to see a change in heart. We need to eliminate sin because at the core, it is sin that is producing this. All that we see in this tension and in, in the underlying, just bubbling below the surface anger and angst that's out there is all the byproduct of sin. And so that's where this comes back full circle, that this is not a job for the NFL. This is not a job for Colin Kaepernick. This is not a job for... The, the NFL players or the NFL owners, this is a job for the church. That's right. We need to get on the front line That's and right. talk, start talking about the real issues here. And you've used the word distraction several times, Jim, and it's very true. This has created a distraction from the real problem at foot. And the real problem at foot is man's fallen nature, the impact of sin, and our separation from God. And if the church will wake up to our responsibility, that instead of protesting, we need to be out there proclaiming the Amen. gospel of Jesus Christ and talking about the fact that racism is a byproduct of sin. And if we address the basic sin nature through Jesus Christ and man experiences a heart change, guess what? Society will change attitudes will change, the unity will come together, and we will achieve that peace that that waitress was asking you to pray about. But the peace doesn't happen just because we have a conference at the UN uh, or say, let's all sing a song together. Peace happens when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and suddenly now that peace is a byproduct of a relationship with very God himself. That's the crux of the matter. That's really where the solution to this problem lies. And sadly, we're talking about everything else, but what we really need to be talking about. Well, you're spot on again, Craig, because the original sin that caused this world to fall was a sin of pride, correct? Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I want to be a God. Cain and Abel. Yeah, and 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 Cain and Abel was a byproduct of Adam and Eve, uh, who was broken, but they wanted to be like God. That's pride, okay. And it comes back again to this unity thing. You and I see it. It's people saying it's all about me. This this generation, this culture we're in today, it's about me. I want to feel good. No, I don't want to let you cut in, even though you've had your signal on for a mile to get over in a lane here on the Nimitz Freeway. No, no, no. It's about me getting ahead of you. It, it's about me wanting the best food to be first in line. It's about me wanting to display whatever it is out on that field in front of the television cameras rather than think about what would God want us to do to show unity, to show team, to show that we're of one spirit and of one mind. 
Jim Grassi, as always, we appreciate uh, the time and the insights that you bring to the program. Again, I'll mention his new book, Guts, Grace, and Glory, available through Amazon.com. And again, information available about his ministry on the web at mensministrycatalyst.org. That's mensministrycatalyst.org. Do you still do conferences and speaking engagements? So if somebody eavesdropping says, you know what, I like the cut of this guy's jib, I'd love (laughs) to have him come in and share maybe at a men's conference, uh, they can reach you through the website? We're a nationwide wide ministry and I still do a lot of men's retreats and uh, a variety of speaking in churches on a numer- numerous topics and uh, would enjoy the opportunity to be called and considered for an opportunity to speak at their church or at their men's event. Excellent. Again, details available on the web at mensministrycatalyst.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Take a look around you. Be it the events taking place in the front pages of the newspapers every day or maybe what's going on in your own community, in your own home. We seem to be filled with nothing but turmoil. Couples fighting and divorcing, children acting out, violence spilling out into the streets. All related, if you think about it, to one common core issue. The one thing that so many of these troubling events in society in general or in your home in specific that seem to have in common, and that is anger. The Bible reminds us to be angry but sin not. But what exactly does that mean? How can we identify the source of our anger and then learn how to surrender it to God as opposed to simply surrendering to anger, which seems to be for most of us a much easier path? We're joined now by June Hunt. June, of course, is the host of Hope for the Heart, broadcast heard weekday afternoons at 2 p.m. right here on KFAX. There's also an evening two-hour-long call-in counseling program that I want to encourage you to tune in and enjoy, especially for those sleepless nights, midnight to 2 a.m. on KFAX, called Hope in the Night. And June, a delight to have you on the program. Great to be with you, Craig. Thank you. Boy, this issue of anger, it doesn't seem as if we have to look very far. It spills out into the front pages of the newspaper every single day. And sadly, many American homes are are almost consumed like a fire by it. Anger. But what is this, this source of anger? How do we go about identifying what anger is, where it's coming from, so that we can learn how to, how to control it as opposed to it controlling us? Uh, great question. And by the way, nobody wants to be controlled by something else, especially when it can cause a horrible reaction from others. But anger is a strong emotion of of irritation or agitation that occurs when a need or expectation is not met. And yet what we have to realize, okay, we have at times anger, because as you already said, the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So this is a part of the problem. Uh, Many people, in fact, if I were to uh, ask a large group, how many of you believe that uh, anger is a sin? Many hands would go up. But yet, would God give us the ability and give us uh, the command, uh, be angry but do not sin, if anger was always sinful? Obviously, the answer is no. So that's why it's important to figure out what on earth to do because there's a caution proverbs 29 22 you know the book of wisdom is proverbs and the bible says an angry man stirs up dissension 
and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. So there's a difference between feeling anger versus being an angry person. So it's a legitimate feeling, and we see cases throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testament, of, of examples where God was angry, or, or even Jesus. I think of the, the scene of him overturning the money changers' tables yeah. there in the temple. Certainly there was a, an example of Christ being angry, and yet I guess it's not so much that we experience the emotion of being angry, but what do we do with it? How do we respond to it? How do we control it or allow it, in some cases, to control us? You go into great depth in your new book called The Answer to Anger, newly published by Harvest House, The Practical Steps to Temper Fiery Emotions. And I guess that that business of tempering the emotions begins, as you suggested, by identifying some of the sources of anger, the reasons why there is that emotion kind of bubbling up with us in in the first place. That's huge. Uh, And I'm glad you're pinpointing that, Craig, because if you don't understand the source, then just saying or hearing the words, you know, don't be angry or I shouldn't be angry, it's not going to help. Uh, That's not a solution. Actually, think of it this way. Anger is purely a secondary response to one or more sources. It's either caused, the anger is caused by hurt, injustice, fear, frustration. Mm. One of those four or a combination of the, the four. In fact, what I would say, at times we will read about road rage and uh, it's like if you were driving in your car and all of a sudden you think, oh, here's my cutoff and you just, you know, you, you, you squeeze in between two cars and, and you make your, your exit. Well, you know, within 60 seconds, you could be dead. If the person behind you has road rage, it's not personal. It's not like somebody's upset with you as a person for what you did last week. You could be dead because of unresolved anger. And here's your key, unresolved anger that is cause, has been caused by hurt, injustice, fear, or frustration, or again, the combination. I've heard people describe it this way, that that sometimes there is this sense of almost a well of anger. It seems as if um, they will get upset over seemingly nothing or will seem to react to disconnected scenarios. You know, the guy who has a tough day at the office, maybe got into a fight with the boss, lost a big contract, comes home at night, and now he's, you know, kicking the cat and abusive to the wife and abusive to the kids. There's, There's an obvious disconnect there. Is part of the problem, June, that we've spent a lot of time looking at the symptoms as opposed to understanding the root cause or these these four sources of anger that you identify in your new book, The Answer to Anger? Yeah, exactly. Those events currently can have nothing to do with the past. So I, I think it's valuable to look at past anger, which I would call unresolved. Really, it's unresolved past anger versus present anger. Uh, so I think an issue is to understand these four sources. Every time we have anger, what what is the cause? Is it hurt? Has somebody really hurt my feelings? Is it um, instead injustice? It may not be personal at all. You can see a child. In fact, that this happened one time when I saw a, a mother say to a little son, "If you don't hurry up." This is exiting out of a out of a store. If you don't hurry up, I'm going to chop off your legs. 
Mm. Well, let me tell you, it, I was a youth director at the time, and it welled up within me. I followed the woman to the door of the business, and this little child, this little boy, had a look of terror in his eyes, and he was scurrying as fast as his little legs could carry him. And I said, excuse me, ma'am, I happen to be a youth director, and I just want to say, you may not be aware, but children take words literally, and he could literally think, you are going to chop off his legs. She was so stunned that I would say anything to her. But, you know, it was the injustice of what she said that propelled me to action. In fact, l- l- let me pop in this. The point of us having anger is like a red light on the dashboard of your car. Do I assume that you may own a car of some vehicle? Absolutely. Okay. Do you ever have a light appear that normally isn't there, and it's an indicator light? Sure, and we know it an indication of trouble of some sort. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And the intent of that red light is not to just shine like a Christmas tree ornament or Christmas tree light. The point of that indicator light is to propel you to action. Mm. So that when you see that on the dashboard of your car, it's to propel you to action to to, to fix it because there's something wrong. It, and, and all it may need is water in the radiator. Or it could be some engine problem and it could cause fire. I mean, it's, it, it, it could be extremely important to act on it to figure out what is causing this. So uh, the red light on the dashboard of the car is good. So anger is intended to be good to say something's wrong. Now, in candor, you know, if I'm jealous because my friend that I love dearly is now going to have lunch with her new friend, then I'm the one who needs to rethink this and say something is wrong, but it may be that I need to deal with my jealousy. Because people can have multiple friends and should have multiple friends like Jesus did. So, so in other words, it, it may not be just somebody out there that's doing something wrong. It may be that something's, that I'm interpreting things wrong within my heart. I'm the one that needs to change. Here's an ideal spot to pause. We'll come back to more of our conversation on this edition of Lifeline. June Hunt is with us. The broadcast, Hope for the Heart, weekday afternoons at 2 p.m. right here on KFAX. We're talking about June's latest book, The Answer to Anger. Back with more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. June Hunt is on the line with us today. Of course, she is host of Hope for the Heart, heard weekday afternoons at 2 p.m. here on KFAX. And she also has a call-in counseling program called Hope in the Night, which is broadcast at midnight right here on KFAX. And June, to put this in perspective for listeners, let's go back to your example for a moment of the indicator light. You're right, that light can go off, and it can be something as simple as you're low on water in the radiator, so you pull into a service station, you top off the radiator water, and you go about your business. But if that warning light is ignored for a long time, or in this example, if we allow that anger to compel us, to control us, to drive us at every moment, uh, much like the warning light over something 
minuscule, such as low water in the radiator, after a time, can't that turn into a more significant or severe situation, meaning we don't pay attention to the warning light now, the radiator runs dry, the engine overheats, the block cracks, now it goes from a quick stop at the service station for a little bit of free water to a $3,000 engine job. Is the same thing true then in that example when it comes to anger, that if we continuously ignore that warning light and we don't deal with the hurt or the injustice or the fear or, or the frustration that could go back weeks or months or years that over time that can fester and go from a need for water to a need for an entire new engine block? Uh, you've just connected the dots beautifully because so often what we are experiencing today as a problem or we could have a loved one, you know, somebody we really care about who just has this anger problem who either blows up or just stays you know, like a simmering stew, just that simmering anger. Um, and, and yet it's going to ruin relationships. This is, this is sometimes a cause of, of divorce, of, of parting, of people not speaking to family members for years because of not dealing with anger in a healthy way. Let's just imagine right now, you're angry, uh, this is simplistic, understand, but it works in, in many, many situations because I've used this. Um, imagine right now, you're just annoyed. I mean, you just it's just irritating because there's that squeaky door. It's the squeaky front door. It just keeps squeaking. And, and, and you know, Every time you hear it, you're trying to watch some kind of a program. You're a good student of the news, and so you're trying to absorb this. And then you hear, hear this, uh, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's just bothersome. Okay, now, you actually want to ask yourself this question. Number one, can I fix it? The, the, the quick answer to anger is only two steps. It's a question and an action. The question is, can I change it? Can I change it? If you can change it, you change it. If you can't, you release it. So if you have a squeaky door, what do you do, Craig? Get out the can of three-in-one oil and <laughs> or right. WD-40. <laughs> WD-40, you put oil on those hinges. If you can fix it, you fix it. If the, if the faucet is leaking... You get a wrench and you tighten it, okay? Or ask somebody to help you do something that actually is relatively easy. So if you can fix it, you fix it. If you can't, you release it. For example, if you've just lost the dearest person in your life and you are hurt, you, you feel pain, you feel, oh, this seems so unjust. I wanted more time. Well, you can't. Fix that one. You can't. You can't bring somebody back to life. So at that point, you release it and you say, "Lord, I I feel this pain. I just hate being without this person who's been so dear to me for so long. And I just release my pain to you. I thank you that I can entrust the future to you and even my present, even in the midst of my pain." Thank you for understanding, and thank you for being uh, the source to give me a peace that passes all understanding. And that's what he promises. 
he he promises that he will give us a peace that passes all understanding because, of course, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when we've humbled our hearts and received Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, he comes in and he is peace for us even when we don't have peace within our own hearts. At the end of the day, that anger that you're experiencing, or maybe you're on the receiving end of because you're living with someone in your home, uh, maybe you work with someone who is constantly demonstrating levels of anger. That's the warning light on the dashboard, as June Hunt says, that ought to compel us to say, there's something wrong. We need to take a serious introspection look at what the source of that anger is. As June points out, it could be a past hurt or an injustice. It could be a response to a situation that made you fearful or made you frustrated. To address those issues, to learn then on how to recognize the anger from the past, keep it in the past, and realize that you don't have to be controlled by the past. Ultimately, to, as Scripture encourages us, to be angry because it is a natural emotion, and yet sin not and not allow it to control your life or negatively impact the lives of those around you. We'll find all the details inside of this new book called The Answer to Anger, Practical Steps to Temper Fiery Emotions, newly published by Harvest House. You can get it through, of course, the website. You can go directly to uh, hopefortheheart.org and order it that way. The broadcast, by the way, um, newly installed here on KFAX weekday afternoons at 2 p.m. And, June, we are so delighted to have your insights and your wisdom um, every day here on KFAX. In addition, of course, to the evening broadcast, Hope in the Night at Midnight, uh, the daily broadcast of Hope for the Heart is such a thrill to have you on. It'll be a joy to be with you in the afternoons at 2 could I address one thing that you said, and that is when someone is angry toward you, and if they are abusive toward you, what to do? Could I just please, please? That? Because so many people think, "Oh, well, I have no choice. I just have to submit. I have to submit." Well, the Bible says, and that's what I want to say: is look at the whole counsel of God. Since we're talking about anger. Look at what the whole counsel of God says. For example, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. So you have the right to move out of harm's way. If someone is being continually demeaning, uh, who, who is angry at you and keeps exploding toward you, that is not healthy. In fact, you say, okay, it is biblical, Proverbs twenty two twenty four, for me to move away from that kind of person. You put a boundary up, and you explain to this other person, even though this can be very uncomfortable, but you can learn to do this, and we can teach you how to do this. Also, you say, oh, but, but isn't that kind of punitive or something? The Bible says in Proverbs nineteen nineteen, a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. If you rescue him, you'll have to do it again. In other words, it won't do any good excusing this kind of behavior. So since you brought up the issue of somebody basically exploding, you know, being angry toward you repetitively as a pattern of life, don't, don't be around that kind of person. Find a way to move away, move out of harm's way, move um, where you, once it starts, you make a, a decision 
uh, just say, I think things are getting heated. I'm going to take a walk. And you go outside, you walk around the house, around the block. You uh, take a car, you drive, you do something to separate yourself because it is not God's will that you be anybody's emotional punching bag or physical punching bag. Some great insights in dealing with the issue of anger. The Answer to Anger, published by Harvest House, the book available through Hope for the Heart on the web at hopeforthehart.org. The broadcast, of course, weekday afternoons at 2 p.m. right here on KFAX. Hope in the Night, heard midnight right here on AM 1100 KFAX. And June, is always, a delight to have you on the program. Thanks for the visit. My joy. Good to be with you. Look forward to the future. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all right. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.